Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Mark Watson. And I'm Michael Chakraverti. Welcome to Mankind. We talk to a fantastic range of guests about, well, masculinity. Where does it come from? What does it mean? And what is it? Basically. Every week we loosely, very loosely, sometimes very loosely talk about issues around maleness, gender identity, that sort of thing. What makes people people, really? Exactly. Hello, Mark Watson here, and Mark Watson alone. Uh, Michael's on holiday, and so I've been charged with introducing this episode, and I have to tell you, we're doing it at the inpatient offices and I find myself quite literally in an accessible toilet. So that's where this intro comes from. Uh, Today's guest is, well this is a special one, it's Chris Zampezi, that's his name, and he is a long-time listener of the podcast and a correspondent to the podcast. You might remember, we've done this once before uh, with a listener. We had a very nice chat with Chris, I say we, I'll remind you once more, it's just me introducing it. Enjoy. Well, Michael here, and Mark is actually upstairs today. Hello, Mark. Hi, yes, a peculiar arrangement, this. We're using a new piece of technology which um, basically requires us to be in separate rooms. Yeah, at least that's the excuse that we're using. Actually, (laughs) it might just be like when a couple sleep in different beds, in inverted commas, because of the baby. Sure, yes, indeed. But this is because, in inverted commas, because of the podcast. But we do have a special guest who is coming to us. You say Antipodean normally when they're coming from under the world. Not under the world, but on the other side. Yeah. This isn't even a normal Antipodean like an Australian. This is the real. This guy is so far away that he's he's almost in our garden. Like he's almost round the world and back again. In fact, I think this is the the biggest uh, geographical distance between us and a guest ever. And it's certainly the latest anyone has ever recorded mankind because it's getting on for one in the morning for uh, Chris down in New Zealand. Hi, Chris. Uh, good. Yeah, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it happens to be where you are. You've experienced all of those things basically today. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've seen them all. Yeah. Hello, Chris. Um, so Chris is one of the mankind, part of the mankind community, I suppose. Um, but how would you describe yourself as a, as a person? Big question to start with, I suppose. Yeah, so when Michael says part of the mankind community, to clarify, this is one of our uh, occasional listener specials. We've done this before successfully. No pressure, Chris, but uh, we, <laughs> we repeat the experiment now. Uh, so Chris is one of our valued listeners who has crossed the threshold and gone above the line, as it were. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to be one of those. I don't know, valued seems extreme, but it's a pleasure to be a listener, and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening over several episodes. Um, how would I describe myself? I am, I'm the default setting, I think, 
you would describe me as. <laughs> um, somewhat approaching middle age, which Mark will um, probably agree with. I have approached uh, I think it, I'm yes. a day older or younger than you, Mark. Uh, so I'm yeah, 43 that's this year. Yeah, Yeah. when exactly? Uh, February 15th. It's my birthday. 15th. So there you are. You are depressingly two days younger than me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so the that's... search for a guest who will make me feel young continues. Yeah, my apologies in advance, Michael. There'll be references that you will definitely not understand as Mark and I converse. <laughs> so yeah, I'm 43. I work in IT in a local council here in New Zealand. And I have three kids uh, and a lovely wife. wouldn't usually introduce myself with the following, but I think given the audience we have, I'm straight, cisgendered, and definitely male. Yeah, that's that's. You're me. basically not queer at all, which is a rarity in mankind terms. It sort of makes you queer in this community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like the idea of default setting, though. That's a lovely. That's a lovely way to introduce yourself. Hello, I'm the default setting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes me think that we've kind of turned certain things off. We've gone into the settings, and we've kind of gone, oh, not that one, and uh, not that one. <laughs> yeah, we've messed around with the settings quite a bit over this podcast, <laughs> both conceptually and in the sense that we always are having to dick about with our computers to make it work mm. at all. But yeah, this is something we've quite rarely had across the episodes of Mankind. Somebody who, like me ticks most of the boxes of traditional masculinity that this podcast is is there to interrogate. Mm. Um, I suppose a good question to start with would be about the podcast. It's interesting to me as a cisgender, white, straight man, what made you listen to the podcast in the first place? And like, why are you listening, <laughs> basically? Uh, yeah, well, what are you here? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And that's a fair question. I mean, I have to blame Mark for the initial listening to the podcast long time fan first time caller it actually is one of those situations yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah i followed mark's career for a long time and quite keen to listen in on anything he's involved with so listen to mankind because of that i guess i'm starting to warm to this default setting to be honest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if that's the default for everyone but we'll, we'll carry on it's far from everyone but still yeah, yeah I'm, I'm liking you yeah so i, I think it's definitely struck a chord with sort of where I've been in my journey of learning about the world and about other people and things that are not the default setting. Mm. Yeah, so it was really interesting, joyous, fun thing to listen to. So now I've listened to all of the episodes and loved every minute. Well, you'll probably know what the first question is going to be then, Chris, but we have tweaked it slightly to make it a bit fresh, although it's basically the same thing. Yeah, this... What? You can never say this is boring. <laughs> we have very, very minimal changes to the questions about every 25 episodes. What would you say masculinity means or looks like to you? Well, you have upset my carefully planned research and notes that I've got in front of me, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I can understand why you'd rephrase that question, I suppose. Well, we, we, we basically got a lot of fairly similar answers about childhood experiences and stuff but that's not to say you can't bring those into it we just we've, we've broadened out the scope of the question a little bit yeah i must admit i'd kind of thought along the lines of my childhood experiences mm. um but the answer is probably fairly similar much yeah to, i don't want to disappoint you with changing your question and then giving you the same answer anyway not at all <laughs> i found it really hard to define masculinity because i think it just fit me mm -hmm. so for me it hasn't been something i've that i've had to fight against or that i've found is really been sort of pushed on me it just it kind of fits and I'm kind of happy with a lot of those masculine traits or expectations or or things that society says oh you should be this way I'm kind of like yeah that that feels good that's fine so 
for me, it's... you know, that makes you an outlier. As you'll know from having listened to the episodes, almost everyone begins by saying they never did fit into what they understood masculinity to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, that's been one of the things that's really been interesting for me listening to the podcast is, is hearing how much that didn't fit and kind of going, well, that must be, it's a common theme with me listening to the podcast is, wow, that must be really difficult. Because for me, it's just been, well, that's quite easy because it's not hard to meet those expectations because they, they feel right to me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I guess masculinity to me and the way that it has been in my, and when I've been growing up, is all those traditional things, men are strong, don't show your emotions, physically strong if you can be, don't make the decisions. I think there was a, a big one growing up. Yeah, those very traditional masculine sort of things. Where do you think they come from? I know you mentioned, uh, you wrote into us a while ago, and you kind of mentioned that you went to a, an all-boys school and that you were, was it right, you were raised Catholic, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I went to a Catholic primary school um, and then high school as well, um, an all-boys mm. high school. Mm. Yeah, my dad is a deacon in the Catholic Church, so kind of as far as you can go towards being a priest without being one because he's married and has children. Ah, right. So a, a priest, but with still gets to have the fun bits as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I suspect some priests still get to have the fun bits as well anyway, but... Oh, he's, surely he's done not, it in a more, I've uh, never heard of a priest doing anything sexual. No, no, of course not. <laughs> you said sexual funny there, Mark. Did you notice? I know. Said, sometimes I do say it funny, yeah. Yeah, you went sexual, like I had an extra S after the X. Sexual. Yeah, it's been pointed out before, actually, and all it does is just sort of... Uh, just make Demean me even you. more. Yeah. Uh, no, it just makes me more furiously horny as a backlash. So beware. <laughs> Something. I'm going to get so sexual. Or... Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same. I'm basically a priest by another name as well. <laughs> uh, but yes, you were raised. The point was, you were raised Catholic at an all boys school. <laughs> Do you think those qualities of masculinity that you kind of perceive came from there? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely had a big part to play. I, I don't know if it's just good old New Zealand or just growing up in the 80s and 90s society in general those stereotypes are very much reinforced in all aspects of my life but I mean the Catholic Church is male through and through and uh, I think pays lip service to women and you know that well the nuns have a lot of say and they've got Mary who's you know very highly esteemed but when you get down to it, the, the entire top brass is men. They make all the decisions. The priest mm. is definitely in control of the, the parish that they're a part of. And yeah, so it was, I think, just constantly sort of reinforced in small ways that that's what men do and where they belong in society. And so. you say good old New Zealand. I don't, we've had Aussies. I'm not sure we've ever had a Kiwi guest. Certainly not many people listening would be familiar with what kind of the male culture is like. How, how would you describe either then or now or both? New Zealand as a place, what is its relationship with masculinity, would you say? I don't know if it's got a great relationship with masculinity, unless you think uh, a good relationship with masculinity is being very masculine and um, hmm. sort of reinforcing those traits across the board. It's interesting, I think, to talk about because because New Zealand is seen as a kind of far off paradise by a lot of people, especially people living here, you know, and, and it, it has these kind of obviously beautiful, rugged landscapes. It has a sort of mythical status in people's minds. So I think whereas Australia is quite often seen as being quite 
you're kind of sexist or racist or right wing in different ways. I feel like New Zealand gets a, uh, a free hit from people. I, I feel like people imagine New Zealand as a kind of uh, liberal utopia just because of how nice it looks on the. But, but it may well not be like that growing up. Yeah, I think we're we're probably very similar to Australians. Less wary of our wildlife, probably, but <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely has that rugged rural. It's a, it's a lot of farming communities, traditional male-led communities. Yeah, very, very much traditional male-led communities. So, yeah, if you think of Australians, but probably just politer and nicer, uh, but a very similar sort of cultural surrounding us. And as you say, less likely to be killed by creatures wandering around. Yeah. I was talking to an Australian the other day whose parent had just beheaded a snake and they were talking about it like it was a normal thing that might happen. And they were like, oh, did you kill it with a spade or a, or a gun? And I was like, a what? Like, why is this? Is that what? Do you kill snakes regularly, Chris? Is that a thing that you do? You won't see as many of them in New Zealand, actually. No, snakes. no we, um, they can't swim. we lived in Australia briefly for work and there's just so, much, so many things there that will kill you. I mean, we've, <laughs> all of our birds have, have stopped flying because there's nothing in New Zealand that will harm anyone. So, you know, we're um, definitely like the birds just stroll there. around in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, our national bird is flightless. Which, yeah. you can, yeah. To be fair to Australian men, you can see why they do develop this kind of macho thing. Cause by the time you're about 10, if you can't kill a snake, then one will have eaten you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, are you still religious now, Chris? Uh, no, I've very much flipped completely. Um, on religion, much to my dad's disappointment, I'm sure. Although he's very lovely about it, doesn't mention it. Mm. But no, I've, I've probably gone completely the other way uh, with religion. I was right up until probably my early early twenties, late teens, early twenties. So I carried it out of high school into sort of university, and then just kind of met lots of people that weren't religious and realised they were really nice people too. And and some of them lived lifestyles that didn't agree with what I was being taught was the, the right way to live in the Catholic Church and kind of started questioning whether what I'd been taught was the only way to live and was the right way to mm. go about things. It's interesting. I find religion quite a fascinating environment because like you were saying earlier, it is very male dominated and I don't really have any faith myself either. Um, and I find the idea of being told that there's a certain way in which you need to live. I find that quite troubling I suppose kind of like what you were saying just there but what's interesting to me is that you you seem to fit quite comfortably you said you said yourself you fit quite comfortably with these concepts of masculinity and how they relate to you it's like a uh, I think Andrew O'Neill referred to it as a jacket that didn't quite fit them but it feels to you like the jacket fits quite nicely but yet there's also that kind of idea of trying to of you left you left that kind of religious circumstance because you didn't feel like that allowed for freedom. Does that make sense? Is that, is that putting words in your mouth or does that match? Yeah, no, that matches. I think it was, yeah, like you say, the, the jacket fits me quite well. And like any bit of clothing, it might be nice if I had another pocket or something, but it generally feels okay <laughs> yeah. and I'm comfortable. But I guess I was starting to see that the jacket really didn't fit other people was, right. was the, the mm. key. I think where it was, People lived a different lifestyle where I went, well, if I, if I tried to say that you should live this way, that would be completely against how you want to live and how you want to be and how you are as a person. And yeah, it just didn't start to not make sense. Yeah. You've got three sons yourself now. Mm. So that's, I think, is an interesting position to be in as somebody trying to raise boys to be good, well, good men, good humans. But you're starting from a position where traditional masculinity has served you quite well it works quite well for you so how how do you how are you working that balance between 
making sure that they're comfortable. I mean, what what are your kids like in terms of their how they see masculinity and boyhood compared with what it was like for you? Can I come back to that question and briefly touch no. on something that you you said? You have to answer it now, or, no. or we're just going to pull the plug. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, okay. no, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of phrase you said that the masculinity have served me well. Mm. I mean, I think it fit me, and I didn't have any issue with it i don't know if it served i uh, know you're right i don't know if it serves anyone well which is yeah I you're right it's a much bigger discussion actually it superficially yeah. might fit you but it doesn't mean that it actually mm. works very well no, that's what we talk about a lot yeah, yeah talk about that. i guess that's kind of the whole point of the podcast is that maybe it doesn't serve anyone that particularly well some of those traits anyway so yeah kids moving on to those delightful people hmm. yes yeah, i've got three boys one's 21 this year later this year and then a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I've kind of got the 21-year-old where I go, I can see what might work or what might not have worked, and I can apply that to my second and third children. So Yeah, that's it's good to have one as a sort of just a, an experiment, a test case. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was quite that. willing just to completely cut ties and leave him to it if, it, if he turned out <laughs> bad. We had an extra two there to go on. I couldn't be prouder of him. If, yeah, he's a fantastic young man. Uh, let's say that um, with a really good attitude towards all of the delightful social issues that kids face as they grow up so I hesitate to pat myself on the back with raising children because it's uh, I don't know how much we actually have to do with it in the end but yeah he's but you have fucking nailed it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and the other two are young enough that no one can tell me I haven't yet because I suspect at least one of them might turn out slightly <laughs> yeah, different yeah they're pending. How do you reckon their childhood differs to yours? Mm. I think definitely there's been a shift in acceptance of differences. They just see a lot more, learn a lot more. Um, there's a lot more representation of not the default setting um, across media, what they learn in school. Um, I think it's come a long way. I think it's got a long way to go. But yeah, that's definitely Connor, my eldest son, his experience through school. He went to the same school I did, so went to an all-boys Catholic school as well. Has that environment changed since you were there? Because a, a Catholic school now in the 21st, well, well into the 21st century does feel like a slightly different proposition from when we were kids. Yeah, they certainly learned a lot more than I did about different aspects of the world, different religions, different sexualities, was part of schooling for him. A lot of that comes down to who's the principal at the time, yeah, who yeah. the teachers are you have as you go through. There's a lot, so many variables, but possibly helped the principal's son was gay. So I think oh. he would have struggled to really be a sort of put the Catholic viewpoint too too much in the forefront there without upsetting his own son who was at the school at the time. And he was known to be gay. He was he was like Yeah. I, I, yeah, which was yeah. to me was one of those sort of landslide moments. Um I went through school with at least it was a school of four or five hundred, six hundred maybe. So there was probably a lot more gay people than I even even knew about. There's two I know at least, and one that was in my close group of friends. I didn't find out he was gay until five years ago, maybe. Met him in a shop wow. and with his boyfriend, and and it, so it was just wasn't a thing. Even That'll do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a, it was an obvious <laughs> sign then. It was mortifying, really, to know that he had, even within our our small group of friends couldn't tell us because of the yeah. sort of culture that was uh, around at that time. Um, and it's certainly not something that's an issue with 
the school at the moment. It kind of leads me to a question about um, the, and it's quite a big, broad question, and Mark and I have talked about it at, at long end, so there isn't necessarily an answer that's fit all, but how do you, as somebody in the default setting, mould children to accept people whose settings aren't the default? Mm. Yeah. That if you could fix question. it now for us, Chris, that would be great. Yeah, um, yeah, because no I've got kids myself and I could do with it uh, knowing what to do here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know Mark invited me on the show because I have the answer. <laughs> you specifically said, I will clear up all this stuff, leaving you free to concentrate on other projects. That's right, yeah. this will be the last episode. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I think in a broader sense, because I don't think raising your own children is any different than interacting with workmates or other people that you you meet other than yeah. that they're there a lot and they probably annoy you more you have to feed them more i find but yeah <laughs> you tend to, have to feed them more but it's i think it's just constant little reminders you know when they come home from school and talk about someone that's different just making sure that they're talking about them in a way that's accepting or talking about those differences in a way that's positive rather than negative um i think for me my change in attitude because i was it's a really hard thing to sort of look back on your previous self and go, well, I was a bit of a dick for a while there. But It's healthy you know, though as well. It is. It is healthy. I, I guess it's one way you grow. But certainly through high school with the culture that we were in, I was very closed-minded and kind of was approaching this conversation. I was thinking about what made the change and what helped me get out of that mindset. And it's just a lot of little things over a long period of time. So I think that's with kids, that's my approach. It's just... I don't know, you don't ever sit them down and say, right, here's how you interact with the queer community and here's how you interact with mm. people from different races. It's just every everyday conversations where you just kind of make sure you're staring them in the there's nothing wrong with difference or we should celebrate differences and you know. Yeah, it's a weird thing about parenting, isn't it? If you try and put any of these lessons too obviously on a the plate, they'll just push it away, much as they push away stuff you actually put on a plate yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> you have to set an example rather than just, it's about what you do rather than what you say a lot of the time, I guess. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. What was your dad like? We haven't spoken about that. What what sort of example you were set like, like and how that differs from the way that your approach is to, to your children? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about your own parents in a way that isn't flattering to them, but I will do People that anyway. often do though on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a prerequisite, I know. Uh, I guess my dad was fairly absent in our upbringing as far as it was sort of molding us as kids. He went to work, he came home, he had dinner and then he watched the news or went out to do what he did in the evenings and so there was I think that for me once I had kids that one of my focuses has been be with them more you know I mm. know who they are talk to them a lot hang out with them um not not the buddy buddy I think that's a recipe for disaster but just make sure I know who they are and chat to yeah them they don't want to see you on a skateboard yeah no no one needs to see me on a skateboard and at 43, that's a recipe for several broken bones, I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, my dad's a lovely man and very generous, kind, um, and I certainly learned some of those traits from him. He's very willing to jump up and help people. It probably isn't as traditionally masculine as a lot of Kiwi blokes are. Certainly didn't do the hunting and fishing and farming, but sort of that bloke culture here really is encompassed by but also didn't feel a responsibility to be actively involved in your lives growing up yeah that was very much mum's domain the kids were mum's domain and working and things were dad's domain so yeah that's probably the, the biggest difference i think it's hard to know what how much of that is personality though and how much of that is just culture at the time isn't it because for certain generations that was just sort of what people did and you can't really necessarily say that's because of any kind of innate personal desire to do that thing it was just kind of how certain units existed in the world Mm. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the jacket and you mentioned perhaps adding an extra pocket to it and i was just interested by that kind of analogy because have there been elements of what you see as masculinity that haven't fit or haven't quite gelled with for you yeah i think it goes back to that point of uh, although masculinity felt right uh, i don't think it served me that well i distinctly remember some things like auditioning for the musical in high school yeah, things like that where I didn't do because it wasn't the manly thing to do, despite mm. going, oh, I think I'd, I'd quite enjoy doing that thing. And there's there's small examples of that throughout my life where I think, yeah, it didn't feel terrible not to do those things and felt quite natural because of the way I was raised. But looking back on them now, I, I would have been better doing the musical. I would have had more fun and, and moved on with my life a bit better if I'd done those things. Is there a dream role that you missed out on because of masculinity? <laughs> I suspect tree number three was probably the dream role that I might have landed. But, um, <laughs> That's about as far as I got anyway. in high school musicals as well, yeah. <laughs> I remember that, though, at school for me as well, though. Like, I didn't want to necessarily go for the musicals or go for those things because it would be considered gay. And for me, it was like, oh, I might out myself accidentally if I, if I do that. And I ended up doing it, but kind of 
quietly, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like, I don't think that's necessarily um, the case now, perhaps, but it is interesting how you do limit yourself because you're like, oh, that's not masculine enough. I, mean, I mentioned before on the podcast about listening to music, which I thought would be more masculine than the basic bitch pop music I wanted to listen to when I was younger. So I think we all do that to an extent. Yeah, you force yourself down emo. I I say force. I mean, I like it now, but if you listen to anything for long enough, you'll end up liking it. What's that syndrome? It's a Swede... Mm. uh, I'm about to say Swedish syndrome. It's not that. Stockholm. Stockholm. A Stockholm syndrome. It's in Sweden. That's where that came from. This is in Sweden, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, was the opposite also true? Did you do stuff that was traditionally masculine because you felt like that was a good look? Because obviously New Zealand's got, as you'll know, Michael, a huge rugby culture. They do. They do it. They slap their thighs a lot. Well, in fact, yeah, one one of the most out and out masculine things to be seen in modern sport is the hacker where this kind of, yeah, male war dance, which precedes the All Blacks games. And I feel like rugby as a sport has more of a hold over in New Zealand than almost any sport does over any country in a way, similar to maybe football with Brazil. But yeah, and rugby, as we know, is, um, well, both quintessentially male in a way and also quite homoerotic. So yeah, just interested in how that went for you, Chris. Uh, yeah, I I certainly did things growing up that I guess if it just pushed myself in directions maybe I wouldn't know otherwise. I actually played football, or as you'll be horrified to know, we called soccer the entire time I played it through high school. I'm sorry, Mark. That's understandable. Now, I'm not as much of a snob about that as some people. There are good reasons why soccer exists as a word. Well, anyway, we don't have any other football here, so I'm not sure why you ended up soccer, but that's, okay. we, that's what it was. Um, so I played soccer through high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's soccer here. Oh, sorry. I'll call it football. Sorry. <laughs> football here was... Association football, yeah, if you don't mind. Association football in New Zealand was not the manly option because rugby really is... I mean, that's the sport to play. And I have played two games of rugby in my life um, almost as a... I have to because... Kiwi blokes all play rugby. But that's interesting. Like As you know, from being a listener, football has been one of the sort of stereotypically male things you were meant to do. Uh, for so many guests, New Zealand's almost the only culture I can think of where it would be seen as May almost I anti-masculine. May I interrupt with a fact? It's a soft option. Mm. Um, I just Googled the word soccer and I said, why is it called soccer, not football? And apparently soccer... It's, it's because of association with football, yeah. soccer, which is associated football. So really, when they're saying soccer, they are saying associated football. Is that the joke that you just made? Well, not exactly a joke. I'm amazed that you Googled that when you could have asked me in any point during our friendship. <laughs> yes. And this is why it's not really appropriate to sneer at Americans or Australian New Zealanders for calling it soccer, because, uh, yes, the words originally association football meant, you know, football, rugby football meant rugby. And posh boys here abbreviated them to soccer and rugger, which is what people used to call rugby. So if you go back far enough, soccer was our invention as a word. Sure. Not uh, It's just that it caught on in these countries, as Chris says, like America, where they have their own thing they call football. But yeah, the ultra posh name for football is association football, although I'd be very surprised to hear anyone well, now say that. I'll exclusively yeah. refer to it as association football whenever I ask you how it's gone at the game. You, you at the, should. At the weekends. That'd be the gayest <laughs> thing I can think of, actually. That would really take you... Uh, up at even another level. How was the Asoka? Uh, is it the association football? <laughs> Did you enjoy the Asoka? Sorry to have interjected with some football facts. And if you can, if you can start saying rugger as well, then that really will have you pegged as a sort of 1930s boy. And that's what I aspire to. So that's great. I'll make sure to do that. Of course it is. Well, and being pegged is, I expect. As well. <laughs> Mark. But I used the phrase unintentionally. <laughs> I told you that if you, if you. If you start criticising the way that I say sexual, <laughs> you'll bring something out of me. 
I just wasn't expecting ourselves to go there. <laughs> I don't think I was, to be fair, but this is mankind. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just move on to our next question. Um, <laughs> Chris, who would you consider to be good examples of masculinity? Well, I had, I mean, I'd prepared all my childhood role models, but I'll move on from those. Anyway, let's do you know what we'll have them well again that would still be it would Um, still be a valid answer yeah they they still presumably are good examples of of masculinity still exist now so i can use (laughs) and the rest of the dead so i won't yeah i think men in the world that i'd like my boys to look up to um, and i'm going to use the same answer a lot of people have i don't have a I, i tend to take aspects of people's personalities or rather than have a person that I think that one person encompasses everything that I think you should be mm. as a Yeah, I think Tom Reed Wilson called it the buffet, didn't he? Mm. It's almost as if you were building a bear or something. Well, <laughs> we can come back to that again. <laughs> yes, the, the, the gender buffet, he yeah. called it or something. Yeah, yeah, I like that term, actually. I, I binged, listened to a few episodes to try and get myself in the, the mindset for this. And I listened to his just recently. Yeah, gender buffet was fantastic terminology. Mm. I think there's, I really like men that, that are not afraid to just show some joy um, and to show they just love living. Um, mm. One that came up because I saw a TikTok with him in it recently was Jack Black. Mm. He's not afraid to show that he's enjoying himself and loves what he's doing and in whatever aspect that that takes. I think that's a fantastic quality to look up to. I really agree with that. I, over Christmas, I saw Jack Black in a film and I, I thought exactly the same thing, that regardless of whether he's acting for a start, he always looks like he's having the time of his life in films. But even away from that, he, he does he does radiate a particular... In fact, I put a Twitter poll up saying if you had the chance to swap lives with Jack Black now, but like completely, and there's no going back, would you? And most people said I'd stay at myself, but about one in four of my followers would swap with Jack Black just like that. And I'm on the fence because it's a rare thing to feel that apparent joy and then to be able to share it. I, I, I mean, having said that, we don't know him and he might be miserable, but he's certainly doing a good impression of someone that loves him. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's a big aspect of the, the bloke culture that we live in in New Zealand, or I grew up in at least, was that that's you don't express any extreme of emotion and joy particularly wasn't really a thing. If you enjoy something, a nice, quiet nod and a, yeah, that was nice, kind of was... Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, that was all right. really yeah. interesting because we always, we always talk about yeah. this kind of idea that men don't let themselves be vulnerable. And we always think about vulnerability perhaps as a neg- in the negative sense. So um, when you're mm. sad or when you're angry or, or those kinds of things. But vulnerability also is letting yourself be happy <laughs> and be visibly so. Like yeah. I love when you see... Yeah, letting people see that. Yeah, when you yeah. see a, a father uh, at the side of a football field tearing up with emotion because their son's done well or sorry and a soccer an, an association football field but yeah but yeah but grown men expressing joy in an emotional way is a vulnerability and i think i, I agree something we genuinely don't see yeah i was just gonna say the same thing michael we, we've so often we talk about men being afraid to share negative emotions but it is just as much of a leap uh of faith to share positive emotions a, a lot of the time I, it made me think of as soon as Chris said that of my own father also called Chris because and actually he's got better at it now I think but he was a, a real one for ex- just as Chris said not expressing extremes like if he had a delicious meal he would wind my mum up often but not on purpose by saying well not a lot wrong with that 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 was his catchphrase or there'd be a lot of phrases like that well that was no disaster was it in a situation where someone else would say this is the greatest day of my life and but I think he has changed now he has grandchildren now he 
I would say he's mellowed to a point where he actually will express wonderment. He's in New Zealand at the moment, Chris. You'll probably uh, run into him. But again, I think that was definitely a product of his upbringing. He was brought up by parents whose register, both for sorrow and joy, was pretty narrow. And I would say we're, we're witnessing a shift in that regard. As that's with a genuinely lot of something I've not really thought about before. So that's a lovely thought. I'm going to sit with that for a minute. Yeah. No, me neither. But I, I do. I, it is true. It's you definitely, you know, when you were growing up, the idea of being into something, being a proper, a big fan of something was seen as not very boyish. It was, you know, again, you, you liked your football team. Bands were cool. There was stuff you were team, into, sorry? but you wouldn't often say, sorry, uh, you're, uh, I'm sticking with football team. You're the one that has to keep saying sure. a soccer. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, you had, you were, there was stuff you liked. There was stuff that was cool, but you'd rarely say this makes me happy or I take, I take a pride in this. And even as older men, we often don't make space for that. Did you have any more examples, Chris? Because we've gone on about that quite a bit now, but it's a good I'm point. glad that was a good one. Okay, so if I'm looking at... <laughs> Sick. Yeah, phew, I'm done now. Uh, yeah, your, your score has inched up towards six or seven out of ten. Well, that, that's generally what I aim for in life, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Ten out of ten days are gone. Yeah, nine's about where I peaked, I think, and it's just slowly drifted off since then. Um, I think uh, looking at when I was growing up, um, I really struggled to think of someone that I looked up to, and I ended up on Hawkeye from MASH. And, Michael, you'll probably have to Google that, I imagine. No, um, I thought, when you said Hawkeye, I thought of Marvel. With the yeah, um, the, yeah. The bow and arrow. That was, that was where I went. Yeah, you'll definitely need to Google that one. Do you know what? You guys, you guys, you guys talk amongst yeah. yourselves. I'll do some Googling <laughs> and I'll catch up with you in a minute. Have a look at MASH, Michael. You'll have to sidestep. Your algorithms will steer you towards food because that's your, that's your milieu. The, the but, chief uh, surgeon was a of very the television program. M-A-S-H unit. Yeah. Donald Sutherland. I know who that is. Yes. So a very, a very manly guy, both as an actor and Actually, as I should character. revise that to not that character. Um, Oh <laughs> no! It was it was the character that Alan Alda played, and I believe it was Hawkeye. Alan Alda played Benj- Benjamin Franklin Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah, That's who okay. he played. Hawkeye. Oh, so Donald Sutherland was a red herring. <laughs> yeah, in fact. Okay. I think but, but Donald Sutherland played him in the in a film. Ah, that's our problem. Yeah, they recast for the film, and that's what I'm thinking of. Um, yes, so Alan Alda's character, and I think uh, for those similar reasons, he didn't want to be where he was. He was stuck in the the war as a surgeon. Um, was frustrated by lots of stuff. Wasn't afraid to show that he was frustrated by it. He thought the whole war thing was silly compared to the, the sort of traditional, I'm off to war and it's great and I'm doing my bit for my country. Um, yeah, was just, uh, had that sort of vulnerability to his personality, I think, that struck a chord with me, um, clearly, mm. as I remember it, 20, 30, probably years ago. Um, so yeah, he was a, a, a character. Um, because you're right, you don't in war movies and TV stuff. You don't see that many characters who are there going. I wish I wasn't in a war. This is like, or if you do see it, it's in terms of having to heroically go into battle despite the fear. Or there are those tropes, but you know that kind of just resistance to the whole idea of manly conflict is a different yeah, thing again. And I think it was um, probably more of an honesty than most other media was presenting at that time um, of, of someone with some real emotion and some real reaction to what was going on. Mm. Um, but I tend as I, as I get older, 
my the people I admire and the the characteristics I like um, are people that I just hang out with every day. It's people at work. My wife, who's ridiculously strong woman, and uh, she'll be delivering her mother's eulogy in two days' time, uh, unfortunately. But I just can't imagine the strength that takes, and I don't know if I was in the same situation if I could if I could manage that. Um, so it's just it's just people around you that yeah display these qualities just amazed by and of course mark and michael fantastic people <laughs> yeah that was a while coming but we'll allow yeah, yeah, I, like an afterthought there to you I, I can see the look on both of your faces and i thought yes no they're waiting they're waiting <laughs> michael sometimes used to do a joke where he said you know present company accepted but then we would glance at each other and we we, we knew we were both still sort of hanging <laughs> just out hoping <laughs> And yeah. I think Tom Mayhew did say you, Mark, didn't he? I eventually got on the scoreboard, yeah. But again, Tom had heard the podcast, mm-hmm. so he knew the hunger that we have. <laughs> Just Which... to give you a little uh, boost, Mark, I have written you down on my list of, of people. Um, but I think... If oh, I did pick, make the cut. You did make the cut. And I think because of your... Just you genuinely putting effort into expanding your knowledge and understanding more about the world than, than your bubble uh gives you um and i think it's something i admire in anyone um and particularly looking into the queer community which is uh, assuming you're raised obviously raised at a similar time as i was but in a similar environment yeah i was raised two days yeah. earlier yeah yeah exactly i don't think the environment changed that much uh, no. in two days. <laughs> um, we can generalize it was a similar environment yeah correct uh uh, and I think for yeah. people of our age, it's, it is a step to to make, you know, to start looking at that and, and wondering what you can do to help and learn yeah, I, and develop your own understanding. We're probably the last generation of like straight men to grow up thinking that basically we were the norm, we were the default setting, to come back to your phrase, we were the standard issue. And yet to also have to confront the fact that we were way wrong. If you're quite a bit older than us, you can not that everyone does by a long way, but you can sort of get away with remaining ignorance for longer. And if you're younger than us, like our children's generation, it's inescapable that the world has changed. But we represent that sort of midpoint between versions of masculinity, I think. And that's why people like us are so fascinating. Oh, exactly. Did you notice that, Mark, I was waiting there for you to shrug off the compliment and you just didn't. That was lovely. No, no, I, I, that's, I'm getting better at that. Yeah. I'm starting to um, actually, you, you know, this has been a, something I've aspired to do better and better during the, well, during the podcast, during this period of my life, actually. And yeah, I didn't deflect it. I didn't bat it away. I just filed it as yet more proof of my uh, supreme personality. <laughs> Let's not go that too far the other way. Oh. Um, so oh, the, damn it, so uh, difficult, this shit. <laughs> the, um, the, the final question, which you are probably expecting um, is from our yet-to-be-sponsored Build-A-Bear question. If you were to build a person, which we now say, and we broadened it into just being a good person, what three qualities would you build into that person? Uh, Having binged listened to several episodes of this recently, (laughs) um, I've come up with a list of exactly the same things as everyone else has said over the (laughs) four episodes. Um, So... I can try and be slightly different, but it's probably not going to come out that way. Um, the reasons that some things come up again and again, there yeah, are good answers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, 
I guess with uh, my eldest Connor, I can see these traits. I've only got, I, I have been building bears, three of them for the last 20 years, um, or one <laughs> of them for 20 years. So I've got some sort of proof of my ability to build. Um, and he is empathetic and kind and tolerant and curious and all of those things that you'd want him to be. Um, and I think he's a, a superb human being. Um, so if he, if th those qualities uh, make him what he is, then I'd love to see all of those qualities in everybody else. Um, it's very nice. I like the one of curious. It's nice that he... I think curious is lovely. Yeah, curiosity is an underrated thing. Yeah. I also like the fact that you've, you know, paid that tribute to him in a way that there'll be a permanent record of. Not not that many sons here, their fathers speak like that about them until it's like wedding day or... Well, that's it, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other one I did have was uh, patience. And I put in little brackets, uh, take the extra 20 seconds. So it's that's, that started as a phrase... Uh, when Connor was little and he'd rush out the door and forget his shoes or his bag or any manner of other things. Yeah. Pull him back in and just say, just take the extra 20 seconds, make sure you've got everything and off you go. Um, and as he got older, that became more of a uh, emotional thing. When something angers you, just take the extra 20 seconds. Don't, your first reaction is probably not going to be a good one. Just think about it, understand what you're feeling, what you want to say, and just take that time. So I think that patience with yourself um, is probably a quality I'd encourage men, and men in particular. I really like this. The extra, I'm going to think about this today. Yeah. The extra 20 seconds. Yeah. Is it? yeah. I mean, I still regularly walk out the door without things like keys or phone or any of the things that hold my life together, but also philosophically the extra 20 seconds is a nice concept That's I think. A, a really lovely place to end thank you so much chris it's been really wonderful talking to you it's been an absolute pleasure has it though <laughs> take 20 seconds to think about it <laughs> yeah let's all just take 20 seconds of silence have a quick thought about how that was yeah so far i still think i would stand by that yeah. <laughs> no it really was thank you so much for joining us chris. Uh, thank you very much we normally ask where people where can people find you but you might not you might not want that since you're not from a world where you're desperately courting followers. Um, I mean, you can find me on social media. Um, you can find my son. He's a musician and has released a, a song at least. Um, so if anyone wants to look up Connor, oh, this is a new one. Yeah, can, can like I plug him? Connor Zampezi. Can I plug him? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah look up. I see why not. Really, you've talked about him a lot. Fantastic. He'll he'll love that. Uh, Connor Zampezi. He's is his name. So you can look him up on Spotify and Apple Music and. I think he has some social media. Yeah, there he... can't be too many people with that name. No, it's... How many ends has he got? Uh, he's got two ends. Connor, yeah. Two ends. Oh, okay. Um, Connor's a busy. There you go. Excellent. There we are. We'll look him up as well. I like that. That's a very generous final act to, uh, you know, pass the limelight over to your son, as you've done quite a lot. It's, uh, maybe he'll be a guest one day. Maybe this will be a start of a, a sort of dynasty. Well, if you, want any, <laughs> if you want introduction music or just some lovely musical interlude, give him a call. It's great. <laughs> We will get tired of that do, 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 quite soon, actually. So, yeah. I don't think it sounds like that, Mark. Doesn't that have like more claps in it? I didn't do the whole tune, Michael. I also didn't do the bit where we talk. Yeah, but you went, oh, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. We can argue about this later, probably. At this point, Michael and I would normally just, you know, chat a little bit about the episode and uh, congratulate ourselves. But he, again, to remind you, is not here. I'm doing a solo outro. 
And so I'm going to take us in an unusual direction by telling you the next guest. We've sort of stopped doing this, but we are, I'm going to tell you, I can do what I want. Michael's in France. The next guest is called Chio. Uh, they're a drag king. I won't say much more than that, except it was a really, really good chat, as Michael would agree, were he here. Uh, also, if he were here, he would say, please remember to um, keep giving us nice reviews and write nice things to us and go on our social media. And uh, please do do that, because Michael will eventually return, and he really likes that kind of thing. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.